Welcome to At The Horn, the podcast devoted to the University of Pikeville women's basketball program. I'm your host, Willard Nip, and on this episode, UPike head coach Cliff Williams and I look back at a week that saw the Bears play two nationally ranked programs, dropping a close decision at home to the University of Cumberlands before going on the road to defeat rival Georgetown. We will look ahead to the road trip the Bears take to play the undefeated and defending national champion St. Thomas More Saints, as well as a home matchup with the newest member of the Mid-South Conference, Wilberforce, this coming Saturday. We continue our off-the-radar segment as we learn about the Bears Book Club, a way in which the players develop their teamwork and leadership skills off the court. And as we approach the one-third mark of the Mid-South Conference schedule, we'll take our first look at the conference standings. And as always, we'll update the Buckets for Backpacks Challenge, all on this episode of At The Horn. And joined now on At The Horn by University of Pikeville head basketball coach Cliff Williams. Cliff, one and one on the week. And this is another one of those situations like a couple of weeks ago. If you had pulled me aside at the beginning of the week and said the Bears are going to go one and one, they've got Cumberland's at home and Georgetown on the road, which way do you think they'll go? And I would say, well, I think they'll take Cumberland's at home. And unfortunately, I think they might lose to Georgetown on the road if they're going to go one and one. But again, I would be wrong. So before we delve into the specific games, let's talk about the the week's games as a whole. Two conference games, two important games, obviously, as they all are in the conference. What's your initial takeaway from the week itself? Um, two ranked teams, you know, to keep it in perspective. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's not just conference games. I mean, you're, you're talking about ranked teams. So the intensity is going to be there. The physicality is going to be there. And we saw it in both games. Uh, the defensive pressure was, was outstanding by Cumberland's and by Georgetown. The one thing that stood out for me, right? The, the thing that seems to be trending for us is that we're stronger on the road than at home. <laughs> and, and, and we really need to balance that out and, and focus in at home and, and being able to take care of, you know, the, these home games. It's, uh, it's important to win at home in this league. Um, I'm excited about the success had on the road. Don't misunderstand me, but, but home court is, is something we, you know, for long-term success, we're going to have to defend home court a little bit better. I remember the late Hal Blake Amos, Pikeville College alum, extraordinaire, and massive U-Pike fan, saying that really in the league, you wanted to do your best to sweep your home schedule and split on the road. And if you could do that, you would be in contention for the league title every year. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you'd be one of the top four teams in the league. Um, and, and that is the goal. Uh, you know, we want to steal as many as we can on the road. And right now we're, we're on a pretty good clip and, and, and stealing, stealing games on the road. But certainly, you know, you want to be able to defend home court. All right, let's unpack these two games. The Bears drop a 78-74 decision to Cumberland's, a game in which you led by six at halftime, uh, a game in which you trailed by one going into the fourth quarter. So let's unpack the game as a whole first, and then we'll break it down just a little bit more. What's your initial thoughts about that game? We started, I felt like we started out well, a lot of energy. Um, we, we jumped on them and we let them hang around a little bit, right? Like, I, I felt like there's some opportunities we had to to extend that and, and we didn't. Um, 
but again, you know, we, we got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, defensively, they bring a lot of pressure. Transition, they put a ton of pressure on you with their guard play. Uh, really push the ball. Um, and, and a tough one-on-one -on -one matchup with their point guard, uh, Cassie Monday. Um, she's, she's an outstanding talent in this league and uh, going to be, you know, more than likely, uh, <laughs> barring any kind of injury, uh, she'll be first team, you know, all-conference player. She's that good. Absolutely. 35 points and six assists for her. You mentioned having a chance to put them away and not being able to convert on that second quarter, 37-24 lead with 4.49 to go. What what I didn't like was the unforced turnovers that we had. And, and I think that's, you know, that leads, especially live ball turnovers, is going to lead to easy buckets on the other end. We rebounded the ball fairly well early on. Like, I believe we were plus six at, at halftime. Um, and then what I liked about it really overall, we had 13 more field goal attempts than they did in the first half, right? Um, when you're giving yourself more chances like that, you know, you, you create just a good opportunity to, to, to win in the long run. In the third quarter, they come back, and you know that, of course, that they're going to do that. They actually get their first lead at 53-51 on a layup with by Cassie Monday, just under two minutes to play. Uh, and they take that one-point lead going into the fourth quarter. What's the message to your team going into the fourth quarter? Down one after having been up by as many as 14. We have had success finishing in this league. Um, we, we had to learn how, but we've had success finishing. Um, so the message was, from an offensive standpoint, uh, we've, we've got to get in the paint, right? We attack them and, and score out of, of creating touches and, and creating closeouts so we can get some uncontested looks. Um, defensively, it, it was about rebounding the first miss um, because what happened in the second half is, is they flipped the chances battle, right? So we were plus 13 field goal attempts uh, at halftime. They were plus 11 in the second half. You know, there was only a two field goal differential when we got to the end of the game. So, um, you know, we couldn't, and, and taking care of the basketball last minute, we wound up with, I believe, 12 turnovers in the second half. So we struggled to take care of the basketball. Um, they did a good job of pressuring us consistently, and and uh, they converted. They converted our turnovers into points. Your message at the third quarter break obviously resonated on some level because you came back out, take the lead, and go up by five with 6.08 to play. Uh, but then, as you know, they, they crank up the defensive intensity in the last five minutes of the game. Uh, there was, uh, looked like, four, excuse me, three out of four possessions uh, at a pivotal stretch from five and a half minutes to three and a half minutes. Uh, where you got one basket, but then there were three turnovers out of the four possessions. That's a tough moment, isn't it? Well, certainly. I mean, anytime you're going empty in a close game, um, every possession matters. I mean, we preach that. We preach that as well in terms of you know being able to value possessions and be able to execute down the stretch. Um, you know, we we were not getting that done, and and they were. You know, so uh, it's 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 a difficult situation in in because it's happening really really fast we were able to get to the free throw line as well and and so we talk about converting those we might be looking at you know a little bit different outcome but 
But again, I, I got to give them credit for their ability to dial it up. Because um, when you look at the box score over four quarters, we we won the first quarter and they won the next three. Right. A couple of unfortunate statistics that really do paint the picture in that fourth quarter. Five turnovers and seven out of 13 from the charity stripe. But it wasn't like they lit it up from the charity stripe either. They were six out of 12. Uh, but but again, you put those two things together, they had no turnovers in the fourth quarter and the Bears yeah, had five. Yeah, I the wrong line on that, on the, on the box score. You're right. Like, you know, 13, 13 attempts. I mean, you know, so where field goals weren't going in, we were get we were getting fouled. We were getting into the paint, just unable to convert. Right. Okay. Looking back at it in retrospect, gonna ask the the question: Is it one that you feel like okay that one got away? It was right there and it got away. Oh, we certainly feel like we beat ourselves, um, and that and that was what we talked about on Friday, and we focused it on the specific areas that we needed to improve on the bodies of the ball. Talked about consistency, right? When, when you're consistent, you have an opportunity to improve. When we're inconsistent, there isn't improvement. There's just inconsistency. So, you know, that that was the, the message. You know, we went through a lot of film and, and pointed out the different areas where, you know, we, we felt like if we focused in on, had a sense of urgency, both sides of the ball, um, we could improve. And, and that's... That was the message going into, you know, Friday into Saturday and a quick, quick turnaround. Absolutely. You don't have a whole lot of time to either rest on your laurels or cry in your beer, the proverbial beer, so to speak. You've got to. Absolutely not. It's on to the next. On to the next. On to the next. Looking back at the final box score, uh, some statistics that come out at you uh, in the game. Bears led in scoring by Bailey Frazier, 18 points, nine rebounds, two assists, three block shots, two steals. That's a certainly a stat stuffer if there ever was one. Yeah, she filled it. She filled the stat line across the board. Um, you know, been been playing well um, as of late. It's the kind of stat line you want to see from a senior leader, right? Absolutely. Morgan Stamper with another double double, 16 points, 14 rebounds, two assists. Uh, Mary Englert, 15 points, seven boards, one assist, uh, and then seven points from Sierra Feltner. And that's a that's a, a game that we actually pointed to in, in last week's episode, talked about the, the challenge of playing against a hometown team. And, and certainly in this case, it seemed to have some maybe some bearing on that. Seven points, two assists, three rebounds, five turnovers, unfortunately, uh, for the senior. There was some foul trouble early, um, never really got into a real rhythm and a flow, and it was tough um, bouncing in and out, you know, out of the game. So, yeah, it, was, it wasn't an ideal night for Sierra. No, you're sick. But as you said now, you've got to turn it around and turn it around by going to a place that historically has been a challenging place for the Bears to compete against, as you noted, another nationally ranked team, and that's Georgetown, a, a team against which the Bears have at times – uh, done well at home, but as we noted, struggled on the road. So what was the message? Again, I think you just alluded to it a moment ago in looking at the film. Uh, other than being consistent, what's the message? Be aggressive, right? What, what do we have to lose going in on the road? You know, and, and I, I really didn't focus on the what do we have to lose part. It was just simply go out and be aggressive. Be the aggressor. And, and if you are, good things are going to happen. So um, we had a good game plan. It was simple. We knew exactly what we wanted to do. 
Um, I felt like there was an attention to detail in terms of our game plan, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, their, their defensive pressure posed a little bit of problem for us early on uh, until we got going. Um, neither team really shot the ball that great uh, in this game. So, you know, rebounding, all the intangibles were going we're gonna to really, really matter in this one, right? As you just noted, uh, neither team particularly shot the ball well. 49-46, Bears win. And I ask you off mic because of an obligation I was not able to watch that game. Uh, I ask you, is this was this defense that good? Was this poor offensive execution? Or was it maybe something of a combination of the two, plus the fact that it's a rivalry game, and rivalry games often lend themselves to that kind of an intensity and challenge to 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 succeed. So what what's your take on it? Well, I mean, let's look at us first. And and you look at um if you look at all of our games and you lined them up side by side and you looked at the margin of victory or the margin of defeat, you know, and if you used a, a color bar, right, to to indicate the the line of margin of victory or line of defeat, you're not going to see a whole lot of color, right? right. There's going to be a very tiny mark on there, right? Because we we played one, two possession games. And, and so the games are close, in other words, either way. So, you know, for us to be in a close game is not, not a surprise, right? The scoring is a little bit of a surprise, but, but I felt like the defensive intensity in this game, um, you could see it out of the gate. The referees let these kids play. It was super physical, uh, tough to score inside through contact, um, you know, and, and neither team went to the free throw, free throw line that often. I think we finished um, what was 10 out that? of 12 for the game, right? right. The and entire they finished, game. They went to the line 14 times, right? So they committed 12. We committed 12 fouls. They committed 18. And and so the refs let it let it go, and and I think that all when you add all those things up, um, you know, not shooting it great, super physical, um, defensive intensity, ball pressure, yeah, it's hard to get buckets, and and then rivalry, right? These kids all know each other. We've competed against this group, you know, some of Georgetown's players for five years now. They know what we're going to do. We know what they're going to do. Um, who can create an advantage? One thing you note about this game is that Sheridan Robbins and Sammy Seitz get the their initial starts for you. And uh, so say just a little bit about that decision to to start Sheridan and Sammy. Yeah, it's just, it was really simple. Uh, we decided to shake things up, uh, start a different way. Um, you never know. They're planning for a different lineup, right? They're planning to see different players. Um, and then about 20 minutes before the game, they, they see the starters and they're like, uh-oh. It, it just throws things off a little bit. Um, we felt like it was something that we, we wanted to do and shaking things up, um, knowing full well that, that you know, Mary, Haley, and Sierra are going to play significant minutes in this game. And come off uh, out of the gates with a good start, 17-13. You wouldn't think just by the initial start that this game was going to end up kind of the 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 bog fest or slog fest or whatever you want to call it because 17 and 13 in an initial quarter that's not the lowest score you're ever going to see on the planet earth in a basketball game no no not at all um you know we we've been struggling to shoot the three a little bit we took five in the first quarter did not hit a single one you know and if you're not hitting three balls 
the score is not gonna not gonna increase you know exponentially right like it's you're gonna struggle to make that scoreboard uh numbers climb so um we were seven out of 17 shot just under 42 percent in the in that first quarter felt like once we got into a rhythm offensively um we were creating uncontested looks which is what we want um you know we it's just our ability to knock those open shots down. Right. Take away the three-pointers. You're seven out of 12 from the field and five assists on the seven made baskets. you got to be pleased with the passing of the ball. Yeah. Our ball movement, it, it's been a focus when we watch film and in practice, you know, ball movement, body movement, it's, it's a daily thing. So, you know, we're continuing to learn. Our younger players are learning. Our veteran players know um, and, and just they need reminders every once in a while when to cut how to hold space for the ball. Um, it's it's an ongoing process of learning and developing consistency among the five that are on the floor. And the second quarter then, this is where the game starts to, to take on a different field. The Bears go five out of 19 from the field. Georgetown, three out of 11 from the field. So you get eight more looks at the basket than they do. Obviously, that's going to bode well for you. You go into halftime with a 19 or 29-23 lead. Got to feel good about that on the on the opponent's home court. Here's a little sidebar, right? Georgetown's gym is heated by a boiler. It's an old gym, and so it's either on or off. And when it's on, it can get super hot in there. And so as the game progresses, and especially in the winter time, because it's pretty cold that morning, um, it was getting hot inside that gym. So as we continue to play, things are heating up. It was getting more physical out on the floor. Georgetown's able to switch uh, one through four, one through five, depending on their lineup. And they do a good job of, of just staying in front of the ball and applying pressure to you off the ball. So you're, you got to be creative offensively in handling the ball um, and then being able to cut or move off the ball uh, to keep them off balance. When we were able to get them scrambling in multiple closeout situations, they were, they struggled when we weren't, they were able to stay in front and, and make it hard for us offensively. Move to the third quarter. You uh, expand your lead to as many as 10 points in that third quarter. Uh, Allie makes a layup with 532 to play in, in the third quarter, puts you up 35-25. Right. Like, so we do. You, you make an excellent point. We get it to 10. And then so we had a nine-point lead in the third quarter. At a five-minute mark, or a little bit more than that. We five got fourteen, yes. So for the next three minutes, we don't score, but neither do they, right? We had an opportunity window of about three and a half, almost four minutes, where we could have pushed that nine-point lead to 10, 15, 18. You understand where I'm going with this, right? Sure, like right. We had an opportunity to really step on the gas. And, and it wasn't a lack of execution because when I went back and looked at the film, we got in the paint, we, we created clothes. We just did not knock down shots that we normally do, right? So we had to get back and play defense. And, and so when we went empty there for that stretch, there was one play that kind of shifted momentum, so to speak, right? They were able to get a charge on a baseline out of bounds play you know, kind of fired them up a little bit. They went down and got a bucket. They got another stop and got another bucket. Now, all of a sudden, it's from nine-point leads down to five, and we're in a two-possession game. 
And so that's kind of how basketball goes when you're not able to extend that, you know, and you're in a rivalry game, right? Yeah, you talk about stacking stops and then you talk about score, stop, score. And right. that's what so they did. Stops, but we weren't coming down and getting those buckets, right? We stacked several stops for almost four minutes, right? But it's a, it's a, the ability to come down and, and get those buckets, you know, every possession, every other possession, and that's how you start to stretch them out, right? Double-digit leads start to wear on teams mentally, right? You're down 12, you're down 15. It's like you're, you're hard-pressed. you got to work that much harder to get back in the game. As you mentioned, a nine-point lead becomes a four-point lead at the end of the third quarter, 39-35, the Bears lead. You, of course, you want to talk about, okay, this is going to be so much about what they're doing right, but what we're going to do right. And yet they come out and they actually take the lead 42-41 with five and a half to go in the fourth quarter. And you're like, okay, here we go again. Another nail biter at the end. As you mentioned, the Bears are used to this by now. They are, but it's, it's you know, we, we've got we've to stay together and respond emotionally in a way that gets us on to the next play, realizing that every moment matters, every possession matters. Um, and, and focusing on the details and what we need to do on both sides of the ball. So it's about keeping the offense simple, uh, rebounding the first miss, um, all, all the little things that go into to winning basketball, and then making our free throws down the stretch. Um, we knew we had them in foul trouble early on. Uh, it's about getting to the line, too. Getting to the paint, getting to the free throw line. In the next two and a half minutes, uh, you go out a 6 nothing score. Jump shots by Bailey Frazier a jumper by Sierra in the paint and two free throws by Allie Stone put you up 547-42 with th- right. 3 minutes to go. What's your what's your message to your team at that point? Keep fighting. Right, they're not going to go away. We play to win. And it's it's as simple as that. We play to win. We don't play not to lose. And I don't know if everybody really understands the difference between those two, right? It's a we, big difference. We have to stay aggressive. And and so that's it. Always on to the next play. We play present and we're always on to the next play, regardless of what happens. So um, we know how we, we're going to finish this game. We need to just keep playing possession to possession, keep rebounding the basketball. Um, all the details that, that, that go into winning basketball. Georgetown cuts it to one with just over, with right at 20 seconds to go. But as right. you note, Free throws down the stretch. Mary knocks down two free throws that provides the final margin, 49-46, and they miss a shot at the end of the game, a three-pointer that would have tied that game. Talk about the execution in the fourth quarter. Um, but my thoughts in in was we get the chance to advance the ball, right? Let's go back to the game itself. They cut the lead to one. We don't panic. We know that the shot clock is off. We're going to advance the ball. They have to follow us. So who's going to follow them, right? And so we get the ball in bounds, and this is how knowing how to finish matters, right? They let, I don't know, eight seconds run off the clock after we inbound the ball before they followed. We go, we make the two free throws. It's still the one possession game. So all we're doing is talking defense, right? Are we going to pressure on the ball? No, we're going to help off the, the ball with the inbound defender. 
we're going to switch everything, stay in front of the ball, and we're going to contest the three-point line without fouling. So we were able to do that. We rebound the miss. They waited until the very last second to shoot that shot. So it was either going in and go to overtime or we we're going home. So that's how it finished. You're up three. They're going to take it three, obviously, to try to tie the game. But defensively. We're not in that situation. Even when there's fouls to give. Like, I just, I don't, we don't practice the timing of fouling in those situations. And so you, you have a savvy offensive player who understands that you're going to foul because you have fouls to give and they'll go into shooting motion from anywhere on the floor. And now you're, you're just giving up three free throws as opposed to a contested three point shot. And that's the last thing you want to do. So philosophically don't foul up three. It all depends on how you prepare to play those scenarios. We prepare to guard it, right? And not fall in those situations. But there's coaches out there who who want who will fall right. with fouls to continue to shorten the clock and shorten the game. Absolutely. So the Bears come away one and one on the week. Big win for them. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the week ahead, including a significant challenge. Thanks for joining us on At the Horn. Welcome back to At The Horn. Joined again by Clifton Williams, head basketball coach, University of Pikeville. Bears come away one and one on the week and now face the challenge of the number one ranked undefeated defending national champion. Yeah, you think you can get up for that, Thomas Moore game coach? I don't want to have to say anything. It's just the next game on the schedule. The Saints overall 10-0 on the season, 5-0 in the Mid-South Conference. This is a road game. Uh, this is on Thursday at the moment, as I expect. Is this a down-and-back day trip? This is a day trip. Um, we're in exams starting on December the 8th. They're in exams right now. Like, it's exam time. So um, we'll, we'll start on the 8th, and I believe exams end on the 12th. Some kids have exams on the 13th. Um, so between – our Thursday game and Saturday game, these kids are preparing us to, to take some big tests. Challenging time of year, but it's part of being a basketball player. Uh, that's interesting. We forget that part, do we not? As right. we talk about basketball, we forget the part about, oh, they just happen to also be students preparing for finals. But other than that, you know, no big deal, right? right? Talk about Thomas Moore. What do you know about them and what do, what should fans expect? Jeff Hans does a great job up there. He's won at the Division Three level, national championship, national championship at the NAI level. He's got really good kids, really good system. You know, they compete really hard on both sides of the ball, shoot the ball really well. Uh, big challenge, right? Um, but but here's the thing, like playing in the Mid-South, we're, <laughs> if you're not used to playing against ranked teams, I don't know, you know, it's it's just a, it's a regular thing, right? So, you know, it's the next game up on the schedule. You know, we've got to we've got to prepare and lock in on the game plan. And our job is to go out and execute the game plan. So looking forward to it. Uh, always fun to go and compete against the best and, and see where we are. And then you follow that up with a game at the U-Pike gym on Saturday, December 10th. Wilberforce University in their first year in the league, not getting off to the ideal start from their perspective. They are two and four on the season, 0 and three in the league. What do you know about Wilberforce? Not a whole lot. 
I haven't watched much film on them yet. I've only seen them in watching film and preparing for for Cumberland's, uh, really. So um, I'll start digging into some of that film uh, probably tonight and tomorrow. And um, I expect the last few games I've looked at the box score and, and they've been competitive. Uh, they just haven't found the win column yet. So we don't want them to find it against us. And how do you handle the challenge as a coach from playing the number one defending national champion team to playing a team that is struggling to find its footing in a new conference? Well, we have to keep the mirror up and keep the focus on us. Um, we haven't played well at home. Uh, they know that. And and so we're, we're striving for some consistency and and in our play on our home court. Um, so it's about us. We, we've got to keep it about us and and play into a higher standard. Uh, and and that's what would it really that's that's it that's the focus um so we take the focus away from okay we're playing the number one team to we're playing a new team in the league to well what about us right how are we going to go and compete on the road again and then how are we going to flip that around on a short turnaround uh and and improve how we compete at home when we come back on At The Horn, we're going to go to our off-the-radar segment, and this is one of those things that, that I think sets this program apart, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. And we're back on At The Horn, and we're looking now at our off-the-radar segment. This has been a lot of fun. The off-the-radar segment features some aspect of the program or some individual or group of people within the program who fans who just attend the games and watch the games may not know about, but is critical for establishing the culture and the success of this program. Coach, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about our book club. I'll go into a little bit of detail about how, how it came about. Uh, we've been reading books as a team for, for several years now. And uh, this is year seven in the program. So we, we've been at it for a minute. What happened in our COVID year is that was the last year that we read a single, read one book as an entire team. When COVID hit and the season was shut down in 2020 in, in April, Coach Wheeler and I sat down and we're like, how are we gonna stay? What different ways can we stay connected to our kids throughout the summer? Because they all went home in April. Like school was just over at that point. Right, and, and so we 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 knew we were going to do workouts on Zoom and 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 those kind of things, but we needed something else. So what we wound up doing was we decided to break up our our book club by class. So each class reads their own book. Uh, we meet weekly. Uh, they have a reading assignment for the week. Coach and I develop questions for our discussion. Um, so she'll lead two classes, I'll lead two classes in a book. A uh, lot of reading for us, but it's a way for us to connect and get to know one another, you know, on a, on a different level. It's one of my favorite things in, in working with this program off the court uh, that we do, and uh, I look forward to it every year. So this year, uh, the seniors read The Carpenter by John Gordon, excellent book, uh, their presentation, was each presentation is so good to me it's like it's an engaging it's an engaging exercise and then 
you get to really see what each class got out of it that presents, right? What did they take away from it? So um, the seniors read The Carpenter, the juniors read The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. The sophomores read Toughness by Jay Billis, which is the second year in a row we've used this book. Sophomore class has done it twice. And then the freshmen read The Garden by John Gordon. Uh, spiritually based book. Um, how do we deal with fear, anxiety, struggles? You know, how we choose our books is we feel like, what does this class need, right? What do they need to help prepare them for this year? And then what, what are they going to bring to the team in terms of uh, their contribution in helping the team grow and, and be stronger and more together? So that's interesting. You select the book after you've spent some time with these kids. Well, once we've, you know, we've obviously we've recruited them, we've gotten to know them, you know, so coach and I will, you know, one year coach selected the books and then we talked about them this year. I selected the books and we talked about them. Um, so it's a, it's a collaboration across the board. What do you get out of this as a coach? Now I know that you watch the players grow and develop, but, but obviously if you're in, if you're a leader and as a coach, you clearly are a leader. What do you get out of these books? it helps in my understanding and what matters most to them. Right. Like, you know, because invariably in the conversations, you know, little nuggets of information come out, you know, and I get to see them in a different light, hear about different experiences and get to know them in a different way. Um, outside of just the basketball piece of it. So, um, and, and I, I learn and grow as a coach, as, as we read these books as well. It's not like, you know, we have to read them in detail because uh, we, we have to put together the curriculum. So uh, it helps me to be a better teacher and better coach. What, what an excellent opportunity for these kids. Again, this is something that a fan coming to a game does not see. They do no. not realize what's going on off the court. And yet these kids are, these young adults are learning about leadership and working together not just in terms of on the court, but also living life off the court. And, and I would dare say this is preparing them for life when they hang up their sneakers far more than the one on the court does. Their personal develop, development is really what this is about, right? And, and, you know, growing as a person, leaving here with the tools to cope with the adversity that life is going to bring as long as, as well as uh, celebrating the joy life is going to bring. Um, so it's uh, certainly rewarding for someone like myself um, who just believes that in the value and the importance of doing things like this. Book Club, Bears Book Club. What an awesome program. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate yep. you sharing with that. As we approach the one-third mark of the Mid-South Conference schedule, let's take our first look at the conference standings. Later in the season, we'll check these on a weekly basis as they are used to determine the seedings for the postseason conference tournament. If you're familiar with the Mid-South Conference tournament, you will know that seeds one through four receive a bye into the quarterfinals, which will be held in Bowling Green, while seeds five through eight host first-round tournament games on campus against seeds 9 through 12. So the regular season has significant bearing on the postseason conference tournament. It should be noted that these standings are before the games of Thursday, December the 8th. 
Tied atop the conference standings with a perfect 5-0 and conference record are the Thomas More Saints in Campbellsville. The Saints, as we mentioned, defending national champions, are 10-0 on the season, currently riding a 16-game winning streak stretching over the past two years. The Tigers are 7-0 on the season. Freed Hardeman checks in at number three in the conference with a 4-1 record and a 9-1 overall record. Freed's first loss of the season came to Campbellsville last week. U-Pike currently stands fourth in the conference with a 4-2 conference record and an overall record of 6-3. Cumberland of Kentucky, Cumberland of Tennessee, and Georgetown are tied for fifth in the conference with 3-2 marks in the conference. Overall, Cumberland's is 8-2, Cumberland 6-3, and, and Georgetown 6-4. UT Southern is 4 and 4 overall, sits in the number 8th position in the conference standings with the 2 and 3 record in the conference. Bethel is 9th in the conference with a 1 and 4 record in conference play and 5 and 6 overall. Lindsey Wilson is 1 and 5 in the conference and 5 and 5 overall. Wilberforce and Shawnee State have yet to dent the win column in the conference competition with Wilberforce being 2 and 5 overall and Shawnee State 3 and 8. That completes our look at the Mid-South Conference standings. And when we come back, we'll wrap up this episode with our weekly update of Buckets for Backpacks. You're listening to At The Horn. And as always, we want to check in on our Buckets for Backpacks challenge before we leave. For those who are unfamiliar with the challenge, Coach Williams donates $1 for every bucket the team makes to the Backpack Ministry of Pikeville United Methodist Church and challenges others to do the same. The ministry addresses the issue of food insecurity for children who rely on schools to provide meals and may not have food at home over the weekend by providing low-cost preparation food items. And before we end this episode, we want to take a moment to update the Buckets for Backpacks Challenge. For those who may be unfamiliar with the challenge, Coach Williams donates $1 for every bucket the team makes to the Backpack Ministry of Pikeville United Methodist Church and challenges others to do the same. The ministry addresses the issue of food insecurity for children who rely on schools to provide meals and may not have food at home over the course of a weekend by providing low-preparation food items. With the 30 buckets against Cumberland's and the 19 against Georgetown, the season's total now stands at 283. If you would like to match a specific game, a week, or even the entire season, or just want more information, you can call Pikeville United Methodist Church at area code 606-437-7315 or email the church at office.pumc, which is short for Pikeville United Methodist Church, office.pumc at gmail.com. If you wish to donate by check, make the check payable to Pike Bull United Methodist Church. Put buckets for backpacks in the memo and mail it to PUMC, P.O. Box 311, Pikeville, Kentucky, 41502. And for those of you who utilize technology and would like to make a donation, there are two ways to do so. First, you can go to the church's website, pikebullumc.org. Scroll down to the page to the Give Now button. Use the drop-down screen to find the backpacks-food option and donate. Or if you use the Venmo app, Pikeville United Methodist Church's account is at P-U-M-C with two dashes. At P-U-M-C, two dashes. No spaces anywhere. Hey, thank you for joining us on this episode of At The Horn. 
Join us next week and throughout the season for more information about the Bears basketball season. And as always, Go Bears!